Uh, this is why this is the free speech issue of the 21st century. Hi, and welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. This week, Chris checks in with Todd O'Boyle, Program Director for the Media and Democracy Reform Initiative at Common Cause. The group began in the 1970s as an organized movement of citizens concerned about the U.S. democratic process. Fortunately, it continues today, working to educate citizens on a variety of issues like media and democracy, money and politics, and ethics in government. At ILSR, we find our work often in sync with Common Cause, and we have collaborated on a few projects. Today, Chris and Todd discuss net neutrality, along with related issues that influence the quality of our democracy. Common Cause recently released a comic titled Big Deal, Big Money that describes how issues such as transparency, lobbying dollars, and corporate influence threaten our voices. It's a great piece that really brings together all the different pieces of net neutrality and explains how huge corporate interests use the political process to try to end it. Here are Chris and Todd. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell, and I'm here today with my friend Todd O'Boyle, Program Director for the Media and Democracy Reform Initiative at Common Cause. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Excellent. Um, You and I have known each other for quite some time. We met face-to-face for the first time at the uh, National Conference for Media Reform out in Boston, I think. Yeah, in 2011. Seems like we've done a lot since then. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about Common Cause? Sure. Common Cause is a national, uh, nonpartisan nonprofit that was uh, formed uh, 40-some-odd years ago to promote uh, good governance and uh, transparency, get the money out of politics, and basically make American democracy function better. Uh, So that means we have a number of program areas uh, in uh, 36 state chapters uh, across the country. Excellent. I know some of those state chapters have been involved in fights over community networks uh, down in Nebraska. I know in particular you have a a gentleman who's very involved in that and has been involved for many years. Uh, In Colorado, in Minnesota, we've had a a lot of important allies that have been uh, with Common Cause over the years. So we thank you for that. Absolutely. And on the national level, of course, uh, listeners to this podcast know that you and I uh, wrote a report together, a two-part report on uh, the case of Wilson, North Carolina, Greenlight a Municipal Broadband Network, uh, my hometown, and also the subject of some graduate research I did. Right. That was the uh, the first case study, and the second one was how Time Warner Cable went to the state legislature and got a law passed to make sure that other communities couldn't do that. Um, that was uh, it's, it's a great report. Um, I hope people that are not familiar with it will go check it out. Uh, but let's start off with a little bit of talk on community networks. You're interested in making government work better. Uh, How do community networks play into that? Well, I'd say several ways. Common Cause is really concerned with the corruptive role of money in politics. And everywhere you look, when it comes to the uh, restrictive bills that preempt or uh, eliminate municipal broadband or scale it back, uh, those are all, you know, always to a one uh, the result of intensive lobbying campaigns by the biggest telecommunications firms in the nation. Uh, they're using uh, so-called ALEC model bills. This is another major area of focus for Common Cause, the American Legislative Exchange Council, and its attempts to pass uh, industry-friendly, uh, consumer-unfriendly legislation on a state-by-state basis. We get concerned about that, the process side of things. But then also, substantively, 
in the 21st century, the way that you know voters uh, inform themselves and uh, activists organize themselves is online, and so that means we need you know universal quality and affordable telecommunications, uh, strong regulatory oversight, strong public interest, consumer oversight uh, to make sure that folks have access to the information they need to make the decisions uh, they uh, you know that make the decisions that are fundamental to democracy. So with community networks, you see them as as playing both the role of uh, informing people, but also you see this issue where the main reason that this is a policy fight at the state level is because of all the money that a few big companies can pour into the political process and just try to dominate and get their way, whether they're uh, doing it themselves or whether they're with ALEC. Right. Like you said, it comes down to making sure people have good access to the information that they need, and also that a lot of these fights just come down to very powerful companies dumping a ton of money into the state legislatures. Uh, now, you also you're active more at the national level, I think, for your particular work. And you know, Common Cause I know has a bunch of state offices that are more or less autonomous. Um, but but you really work at the national level. So, what do you see in terms of community networks there? What's your What's your sense of how their people in D.C. think about this issue? Well, I'd say that we have um, some legislators that have expressed some uh, strong support of uh, municipal authority to create its own networks and for uh, communities to provide for themselves. So. And we've also got some that are fairly opposed to others that maybe it's just not on their radar. So that's really the task of uh, folks like uh, yourself, myself, and the listeners uh, to really raise awareness and say that this is an issue that matters. Um, there's not a, as much awareness as I think there should be. Uh, I think even among uh, policymakers, there's often an assumption that, well, you know, the Internet is it's just sort of you've got the local cable company, right? So I think there is uh, a need for some greater education, maybe on the staff level, about the importance of competition in the broadband marketplace and the fact that you know, we, we got to this place where we are um, with many communities feeling they've been left behind and that they need to resort to building a network of their own because we made some policy decisions more than a decade ago to eliminate competition and wire broadband. So uh, not everyone is aware that, you know, internationally, consumers in many countries uh, get lower prices for higher speeds. And uh, there needs to be some awareness raising. And that's one thing that we work on when we make visits to the Hill uh, is to say, you know, whether you realize it or not, competitor countries, uh, our peers abroad have, uh, you know, better service for a better dollar. So one of the issues that is always in a national focus, because it's just never really been a state issue, states don't have power over it, is network neutrality. Uh, I don't want you to spend a lot of time describing a really visual product, but you guys came up with a really fun comic. We're going to make sure that we're linking to that in our show notes so people can find it. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your work on network neutrality and what it is? Well, we worked with the artists at Symbolia Magazine, and I'll plug them uh, because they do a great job of illustrating journalism. They tell the news of the day in an illustrated fashion um, and it's really uh, persuasive, very engaging, and it's interactive. We worked with them to uh, tell the story of Verizon's uh, multi-million dollar, I think it was a $53 million was the final tally we came up with for the amount of money they had spent uh, lobbying, campaign contributions over the last several years. And there's probably other ways that they've snuck in some lobbying that wasn't included in that. Or there's dark money they spent through anonymous, uh, unaccountable ads. We we may not 
not be able to know that in the post-Citizens United world, just how much money they're putting in and by what means. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that is a floor. And so we, we set about telling the story of how we got to the place where we are right now. Of first, the Comcast case earlier in, you know, a few years back, and then the FCC rule that we have on the books that are supposed to protect consumers and offer some network neutrality protections, but don't go nearly far enough in our opinion. And even these weak rules uh, are target of a Verizon lawsuit. You know, the point is Verizon has shown that they will spend whatever it takes uh, all over Washington and up and down the levels of government, state, local level as well, to uh, push their anti-consumer agenda. And uh, yeah, we, we put together some artwork that tells a story and gets away from some of the really complex technical points about Title I versus Title II and simply says, this is what's at stake. Your ability to inform yourself as a voter, your ability to communicate with people around you, your ability to access the sites that are most important to you, that you depend on, the ability, your ability to use the apps that you want on the cell phone or tablet that you've already paid for. So, um, you know, we, we tried to convey that message in an artistic and engaging way. Uh, we had a lot of success with it. Uh, it really blew us away in terms of our uh, web traffic. Uh, we were on the front page of Reddit for about 24 hours, which I don't think anyone was expecting, but um, that happened. And uh, we were really excited to see that a whole raft of people that have maybe never heard of Common Cause were able to come check out what we had going on and learn a little bit about uh, Verizon's money in, uh, in influence peddling. Yeah, I have to remind people that Verizon, you know, they actually were basically camped out in Chairman Janikowski's office while he was developing these rules. And Verizon had tremendous input in how the rules were written. And as soon as they were passed, Verizon turned around and filed a lawsuit to try and get rid of them. I, I just can't even imagine. I would have been so livid if I was at the FCC and that. But, but, you know, these people from Verizon, they don't really suffer from that because they own D.C., it seems like. They can just do whatever they want. It's funny you tell the story of how uh, Verizon helped negotiate these rules that they're now challenging. The ink was still drying. In fact, their first attempt to challenge the rules in court was dismissed because uh, on a technicality. Since the rules weren't yet technically in effect, when they filed their challenge, uh, they were uh, dismissed in round one, and then they came back another uh, a later and, and uh, brought suit against the FCC uh, on the grounds that the FCC didn't have the authority to uh, enforce network neutrality. And also they said that uh, they should have editorial control over the Internet, um, which is pretty disturbing if you think about it as a matter of uh, free speech online. The idea that Verizon claims the right to censor users and what they are accessing, or saying, or doing online. Uh, this is why, uh, to paraphrase uh, Senator Franken, this is the free speech issue of the 21st century. You always know you can curry favor with me by uh, by quoting Senator Franken, one of our um, truly inspiring folks from up here in Minnesota on the issue of internet freedom. Yeah, and you're also well served by uh, Senator Klobuchar, who's done a great job of standing up for consumers, particularly uh, in the wireless space. One of the other issues that you work on is, uh, is transparency, and we've touched on it a little bit. And the it's part of the way that you come to uh, the community network issue is on trying to make sure big companies aren't 
disrupting our elections and, and basically sneaking their their legislation through. Um, and some of this actually relates to television and the and the Federal Communications Commission. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work on this transparency issue and, and how it's related to uh, some recent news about the, the, the new commissioner um, chairman of the FCC? We have long supported transparency and ad disclosure at Common Cause. Uh, we really feel that it's just a fundamental part of uh, functioning democracy that if we're going to have uh, unlimited political spending, which is itself a problem, but if we're going to have unlimited political campaign expenditures, uh, then uh, voters have a right to know who is behind these ads. And uh, it turns out that the FCC has had for decades the authority to require what's called uh, sponsorship identification. So the FCC regulates the airwaves and uh, also cable casters. And so if you're running something on the airwaves, the FCC does have jurisdiction over it, uh, has jurisdiction over broadcast licenses, uh, to be more precise. And the FCC could, with a simple vote uh, at the commission, compel uh, broadcasters to require disclosure, donor disclosure of who's funding these um, anonymous, shadowy, so-called dark money ads, that if someone says, uh, you know, this ad brought to you by uh, Citizens for uh, Motherhood and Apple Pie, uh, you really ought to have a chance to know who's behind that, and, and is that really about Motherhood and Apple Pie, or is it about pushing a, an anti-consumer, anti-environment, anti-voter, you name it, agenda? Even the Citizens United decision, that odious as it was, eight of the nine justices agreed that disclosure of political funding is entirely consistent with the First Amendment. So we're calling on the FCC to enforce the authority it has on the books. Again, to repeat, Congress gave the FCC the authority to compel ad disclosure, sponsorship identification, in the 30s. They have had this power for decades. The, uh, Congress has rewritten and amended the Communications Act several times since then, and they've left this in every time. I think that's all the congressional authority you need for the SEC to say, it's high time that voters get the transparency they deserve. We can make political ad disclosure a reality, and it would take a simple vote. We'd have it in time for the 2014 uh, off-year elections. We are pushing the commission. We've at, we're asking Chairman Wheeler to take this issue on, and uh, make the transparency reality. And I think we should note that there's, there's two angles for getting at this. One is certainly the Federal Communications Commission should just be able to take action with the authority it has. And then there's a different approach, which is the Disclose Act, which is actually legislation in Congress. And I wanted to note that you know, the disclosure is something that benefits both people on the right and people on the left. This is a, a nonpartisan issue because whether you're uh, upset about the money that Mayor Bloomberg is putting in to try and take guns off the streets or whether you're, you know, upset about uh, an issue that the left or the right is moving forward, um, no matter who it is, I would think we want to know who's actually pushing these ads. But the Disclose Act was held up by a few senators that put anonymous holds on it, and there's a big story in on the media about it. But I just want to get at the the FCC can solve a lot of this by just taking action with the authority it already has. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. And uh, I'm glad you make the distinction between the Disclose Act and Section 317 of the Telecommunications Act. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz put a hold on Tom Wheeler's confirmation to chair the FCC 
because he said, uh, oh, I, I don't want the FCC legislating the Disclose Act. And I think it it bears repeating that there's a difference. You know, the Disclose Act included political ad disclosure and several other provisions. The Section 317 deals with sponsorship identification for broadcast uh, is, and is a, would be a requirement of broadcast licensees. It would give voters a very real measure and an important measure of uh, transparency and accountability in the political process. But the issues are distinct. Uh, I think it is high time that the FCC move on this. The GAO, the Government Accountability Office, released a report earlier this year saying, yes, indeed, uh, the FCC has the authority to do this. And so I think that's that's all we really need to know. It's time for the FCC to do something about this. What else should the FCC be doing? We, uh, yeah, As you and I are speaking, we have the new FCC finally coming in. They've been confirmed. They're going to be taking the oath shortly. What do you think they should be doing? Well, I think it is time that we get back to a world of media diversity. Uh, we've seen what happens when uh, you allow corporate media titans to uh, monopolize the media. We end up with less localism, less diversity. Uh, the media no longer is able to serve its function of holding the power accountable and informing democracy. And so uh, let's put the brakes on media consolidation, one, and then two, let's roll it back. So we're encouraged to see that the FCC is moving forward with low-power FM licensing, uh, licensing uh, and that's a good start. But let's make sure that we take further consolidation off the table and look for ways that we can roll it back. Uh, I'd say another good place for the FCC to continue its work is on public interest telecommunications. Let's make sure that we have strong net neutrality protections for consumers. Uh, let's preserve the open and uncensored Internet. There's just too much at stake otherwise. And thirdly, I'd say let's make disclosure a reality. Let's give voters what they deserve, and um, let's make that a priority. But we, we can get there in time for the 2014 elections. Great. Well, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure anytime. Thank you, Todd O'Boyle, for visiting with us today. You can access Big Deal Big Money at the CommonCause.org website. We also provide a link on the MuniNetworks.org blog at the Common Cause tag. For two case studies that Chris and Todd co-authored, go to MuniNetworks.org and click on Reports from the Resources drop-down menu. We want to encourage you to contact us if you have ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at MuniNetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at CommunityNets. The show was released on November 19, 2013. Thank you to the group Mudhoney for their song, The Neutral, licensed using Creative Commons. Have a great day.